I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Welcome back to the Vulnerability Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Ellie Katz with me. Dr. Katz is an incredible woman. She shares all about the hope of overcoming addiction, finding recovery, getting through personal struggles, and finally stopping the self-sabotaging behaviors that we all do. She's also the author of several books, When Sane People Do Insane Things, My Last Summer as a Fat Girl, and Love and Kisses from My Padded Self. I'm so excited to welcome her to the Vulnerability Podcast and for her to share not only her insight, but her humor. So welcome. Well, thank you very much. This whole thing is magic. I love it. Actually, I speak to the patients that I work with a lot about the magic of recovery and the magic of telecommunications and these inexplicable things that go on. I adore it. And the beauty part, Marissa, is you don't have to understand something to be able to use it. No prerequisites there. What can I talk to you about, Marissa? So self-sabotage, that really attracted me to your work. I think self-sabotage is something that we all face. I mean, no matter how old or what our profession is or our background or, you know, our, our social status, anything, we all are affected by self-sabotage. So what got you interested in that, and how do you help your patients with that? Well, first of all, your podcast is about vulnerability, so I need to allow people to get comfortable enough to be vulnerable enough to start to tell me their truths, and when they tell me their truths, we see that people just time and again can't get out of their own way people take what gifts they have from the universe and they somehow louse them up they make bad choices that could be career choices relationship choices they find themselves in the mire of irresistible urges they might kind of get into something and then get stuck with it. Not necessarily a formal addiction, but a nasty habit. Mm-hmm. And time and again, bang themselves against the, you know, against the wall with their head, thinking that maybe this time it'll be different. They could maybe get away with it. A few moments of pleasure, a few moments of escape. But ultimately, it's self-destructive it doesn't promote your greater good and you don't shine yeah absolutely what do you think gets people into those kind of states of mind or states of being because as you're talking about this I'm thinking I feel like we live in such a culture where we're always going we're always chasing the next thing Um, and whether that's you know personal life or professional life even you know our plates are so overloaded that I'm wondering if people unintentionally self-sabotage because they just need a break. Do you see that? 
there's that, and then there's serious uh, self-destruction. I see it, unfortunately, more with my women patients than my men. There's a lot of cutting. So this is really on the body, self-body self destruction. There's a lot of cutting. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of tricky self-destructive behavior with the food, which is a daily occurrence. We have a relationship with the plate from the day we were born or the bottle or the breast. But till you die, you have to have an encounter with food. And here I see people destroying themselves with food. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, like you said, it's such a necessary part of life. And so it becomes like every single day, it's like an uphill battle if that's something you struggle with. It's an uphill battle if that's something you struggle with. If your body self image is very confused, then, you know, 50 pound girls think they're fat and can show me, you know, where they have a little pocket of fat on their body or 300 pound person is weeping, weeping about how she hates her body. And so many more patients these days who are either sex addicts or gamblers. These are two things that are not conventional substances. It used to be in the old days, you would go to a rehab because of drugs or alcohol. Today, you can't imagine. You can't imagine. It's not substance abuse, but it is so abusive to be gambling round the clock with usually somebody else's money or the compulsion toward pornography or actual sex. It's outrageous. You wouldn't believe it. And it's so self-destructive. It's fascinating and it's heartbreaking at the same time because it's, it's especially more recently, I feel like there's been so many other addictions and so many other just self-destructive behaviors that have been brought to the light. And it's almost like, wait a minute, where are all these different things coming from? But I, I guess like, I don't know, where, where do you feel like they're coming from? Are they coming from the way that we're being raised, like a very pressured society a society of comparison i guess that's what i'm thinking you know like we see so many comparisons that's something that i personally write about a lot is just this pressure to prove ourselves and this pressure of comparison where we're always looking you know what's this next person the person next to me doing you know who's better at their job than me who's a stronger writer who is you know moving up in their career who this and that and we we have all these all often like self-imposed pressures and comparisons I want, is, is that something that you see that people are really struggling with that and it kind of manifests itself I in these behaviors? I see it, Marissa. I see it, but I'm not entirely sure it's novel. I'm not entirely sure that that's not how it goes and how it went years ago. I'm not sure. People from family life, for example, there were a lot of comparisons and contrast. And who's the most uh, successful sport person in the house? And who's the best cook? And who's mommy's favorite? And who's mm -hmm. the one that daddy scapegoats? So 
I think from an early age, right from home life, we see the compare and contrast. And that's the heart and soul of competition. That's the heart and soul of self-image. There it is. Are you a successful daughter? Yeah. Are, are you even, you know, successfully toilet trained? Wow, your sister picked it up in two months. And with you, we're going nuts. You're still peeing in the bed. What's the story here? You can't control yourself. Yeah. We have that. We have that. And then you begin to think that compared to your sister, you're a jerk. Yeah, and that's so fascinating because it's it's probably unintentional, you know, a comment like that, you know, an offhanded comment, a, a casual comparison, you know, we don't realize the weight that those things have, but a lot of, you know, the way we feel about ourselves is, you know, born of our relationships, whether that's family relationships or romantic relationships or even platonic relationships we find a lot of our self-identity in those other people and our connections with them well, of course and i love my example of a baby learning i say in quotes learning how to walk it's before the development of ego so they have no sense of shame and failure and they get up, they fall down. They get up, they fall down. Nobody's teaching them how to do this. It's trial and error without that additional feeling of success or failure. Because ultimately, every human being that's not in any way, God forbid, handicapped, will get up and walk. Mm -hmm. But without the extra part that you got an A, or you got an F, or everybody's laughing at you and poking fun at you. No, no. Everybody's just real excited. Little little Barbara or little Bobby is up and about. Yeah. But the other stuff is hard-earned. And there is when you're going to have those compare-contrast things in the house certainly you you're gonna have it at school because mm -hmm. people are running the show i got an a oh you got a b minus ah, there's so much of that or who's the skinniest girl in the class who has the most pierced body tattoos even that people are you know trying to be the winner yeah, there's always something. I mean, even as you're saying, even as young as in grade school, that's so true. There's always something that some kind of competition, some kind of, you know, societal created norm. And then, you know, that you're trying to achieve or you're trying to live up to. And then sure. not to mention the ones we already have within ourselves of, oh, okay, you know, this is who I want to be, or I'm not there yet, or, you know, whatever it is. Well, then there's this whole idea of, the notions that you're carrying about life and how soon do you begin to incorporate the idea of the higher power in your life. Most families will be giving you ideas about God, ideas about goodness, ideas about worthiness, and they come right up as soon as you are old enough to understand 
and begin to ask questions about the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the key? What's the key to success? What's the key to good mood? What's the key to relaxation? Is it celestial? Am I blessed? Am I cursed? How come everyone else looks happy and I feel down? How come everyone looks relaxed and I'm full of anxiety? In my book, When Sane People Do Insane Things, I list what I think are the six essentials. And when you master them, there you could be walking into a really, really successful, spiritually successful, emotionally successful life. And the last thing you would do is self-sabotage. The last thing you would do. It's absurd. It doesn't even enter your mind. Yeah. To do anything self-deprecating or negative. You want to do everything for yourself and for humanity when you wake up to the idea of love and kindness. Just get me near somebody that I can be loving and kind with. So that you said was from your book, When Sane People Do Insane Things? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to drop some links so people can check that out and um, also browse your website. And without giving too much of the book away, um, Uh do you think that those, the points that you mentioned, the six points, are they all more internally focused, like things that you can consciously change within your own mind? As oh, yes. To... Okay. Oh, yes, indeed. I mean, I compiled this list of what I call the six essential building blocks to a life well lived. And I also enumerate the six hazards that are very familiar to everybody. And it has to do with depression, and it has to do with anxiety. It has to do with being nasty or righteous uh, indignation and not forgiving, holding grudges, uh, being inflexible, and uh, being lazy. If you master good mood, relaxation, love and kindness, forgiveness, flexibility and discipline, what what more do you need to right. have a life that you're proud of, a life that you have crafted, irrespective of if you're successful in work or wealthy, popular. It isn't about that. It's you live with yourself gorgeous. Gorgeous live with yourself. It's, it's a, a dream, but it's attainable. And you can bring into your conscious awareness, where am I regarding good mood? Okay? Marissa, the good mood people are a joy to be around. Yeah. They are positive. They're optimistic. Look, what is optimism? Optimism is looking toward the future, which doesn't exist, and thinking it's going to work. Rather, it's going to stink. A pessimist is sure that whatever is coming is going to stink. It's mm-hmm. not going to work out that way. And then there's these other parts. And uh, right. people that feel the doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah, the doom and gloom of the universe. Like I, and this is a notion, and I write about notions, 
that you're kind of cursed. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you were born under a dark cloud and nothing works for you. Nothing. Every time you try this or you try that, doesn't happen or it happens wrong and then what and all the ramification and implication and ah, and you become bitter, you become morose, you, you don't even try. So there's no enthusiasm. You must find a way to build up an arsenal of things that ensure your good mood. It's essential. What makes you happy? Of course, don't put cocaine on the list. Don't put the prostitute down the street. But I love how you said that. I mean, it's just, it's focusing on those things that make you happy that are productive rather than self-destructive. And when you say it, it sounds so simple, but I think a lot of it is changing the way we are perceiving ourselves, perceiving the world, and then changing how we're moving forward and what we're choosing to focus on. Um, And you made an awesome comment about you know, that that is the true definition of success rather than, you know, where we are in our professional lives or, you know, whatever. This is something that I I love to write about as well, because I think it's so important that we understand success is something that's uniquely defined. You know, like my personal version of success isn't going to look like yours, Dr. Katz, and it's not going to look like, you know, my, my neighbors or even my sisters or, you know, anything. It's everybody has their own definition of what success is. And I think, once we figure out that that success is really about our mindset and about our positivity and about building ourselves up or building ourselves up rather than these self-destructive habits, I think that's where we do find that true success, not in how much money we make or how great our job is or whatever. Precisely. Precisely. Now, I've been on the planet. I saw you, so I can tell. I've been on the planet. A long time. A long time. I'm 70 years old. I'm a grandmother, grandmother, Grammy of more than 12 kids, and the oldest of whom is 10. So I have life experience. I've been Dr. Ellie over 40 years, and I've seen, I've seen, I've felt all the versions really of how people can screw themselves up. You'd be astounded. You'd be astounded how you become your own worst enemy. And you do it in such a sneaky way. And it still dazzles me to get the raw material sitting across from me in my clinic and, and know that there is a way for this person to wake up, not fall asleep at the wheel of their life, but wake up and start to celebrate the really what's important stuff. It's attainable. Yeah, it is. And it's figuring out what that important stuff is, you know, yeah. figuring that out yeah. whether, that whether they're diving into your book or you're really doing self-reflection, it's what is important, what is really, what really matters at the end of the day, it's not the fame, the success, the popularity, the money, the body. No, no. None of that. It's how you can live with yourself and be proud of yourself. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many successful people are so jammed up, have so many 
dark, dark sides to themselves. So many masks, so much, oh, wowie. You wouldn't believe it. They're not happy. They're not happy ostensibly with that Hollywood smile maybe and a nice set of fake teeth, but they're not happy. They're hungry, they're cranky, they're confused. They could be terribly, terribly angry, terribly, terribly frightened. And you don't know that. You don't know it. They may be living on tranquilizers, living on alcohol. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? And they're stuck in a very, very profound rut that they don't know how to get out of. And they come to rehab and then oh, you take away their toys. Oh, they don't feel so comfortable. Oh, I don't think I want to stay here. Right. And that's that's a good point you make there. I think a lot of this process, like, I feel like the way we're talking about it right now, like, it sounds simple. It's like, hey, focus on the good, you know, work on yourself. But I think you make a good point. Like, it's uncomfortable. You have to take away those things that are self-sabotaging you. You have to kind of get to your core. You have to be really vulnerable and uncomfortable, but that's where... Bingo. Bingo there. You got your vulnerable right there. Yeah. You have to be raw. You have to be vulnerable. We're going to strip you of all of your toys. Your pacifier is gone. And then what? Mm -hmm. And then let's take that who you really are and let's build it up. Let's build it up. You've got some things going for you. And I do this all the time. I need you to know your truth, your weaknesses, and your strengths. You have to start to amass a list of your strengths. You have to be your own cheerleader. I've got pom-poms in here. I got all kinds of things and accessories and tricks just to amuse people, to cheer them on, to give them a laugh, to not be too serious about this, and to be serious enough to be honest and vulnerable. It's not an easy place where I work. You get people at their most, their their rawest and most broken pieces of themselves. But I love your approach. I love how you try to interject humor in there and you try to get people to really see that, hey, this is hard and it's meant to be hard. It's not meant to be easy. But when you kind of strip off those masks, you take away the toys, like you said, you really get down to the raw parts of yourself and kind of rebuild from from scratch. That's sure. where that that's where that beauty comes in. Yes. And I need a lot of love and kindness. I'm just getting ready for groups tomorrow. And the subject is say something nice to the person on your right. Say something nice. I mean, how simple is that? I love it. <laughs> I, I, like, I they love it tomorrow. <laughs> but, it, but when do we do that? You know, I, we get so busy in our lives and our to-do lists and our you know, next steps and furthering my career and, you know, blah, blah, blah. When do we take time to 
really speak love over the people around us and be really intentional about that. I mean, such a small thing, but that, that resets us too. You know, it gives us a chance to be like, Oh wow. You know, like what a small thing I just did, but that made me feel good. Okay. So every time I do a group, which is, I can't count how many times I do it a week. (laughs) We begin with hi, my name is blah, blah. And I'm an addict. And then we all shout, we love you. We love you. And when the person finishes their share, we love you. Say your name and game. We love you. Now, sometimes that's a little forced, okay? Which is why I want to do the exercise where you come up with something lovely to say to the person on your right. Come up with it, and you may have to go digging because maybe the person on your right was so nasty, so stinking mean to you in the morning at the breakfast. You can't remember anything good. So we'll all sit here, and then inevitably someone might raise a hand and say, can I help you come up with something nice about the bitch on your right And then we come up with something. Yeah. Something redeemable. Something the yeah, right. Last week you were such a doll. You helped that new girl. Wow. What a wonderful thing you did. Yeah. You're lovely. You're capable of being lovely. So stop acting so stinky. Okay. Progress, not perfection. That's also key to progress. You know, we want to, you know, fix. We want a quick fix. And when we are trying to not self-sabotage ourselves or where we're not, you know, we're trying to move away from these bad behaviors and focus on the good, it's it's about the progress. It's not about a quick fix or getting it, you know, being perfect at all. Um, You know, it's not about Very important. You're completely right. One of the maladies that I discover once, you know, I'm really in the space with the addict, it's already a few months on, a lot, a lot of addicts are perfectionists. A lot of them also have OCD and phobias. But the perfectionism thing is a real, it's a real handicap because when you're a perfectionist, nothing counts but perfect. Right. So you nullify and tend to poo-poo some of your accomplishments because they're they're not perfect. So why even mention them? Yeah. Nonsense. Nonsense. I'm a very progress-oriented person, very much so, and I'm quick with sincere compliments. I don't just hand out compliments to you know get in your good graces i hand out the compliments because i really think they're nourishing they're very very helpful they're gorgeous they help you move on for uh, about let me think 34 years every day i write a list of 10 results i would like to create in the day mostly they're spiritual but I articulate them and I write them on a piece of paper. How I'd like to be inspired and inspiring. How I'd like all my connections today to be 
gratifying to me and the people I'm connected to. You bet. I'm a list person. And oh, do that. the list. Oh, Marissa, <laughs> do the list. Ten results you would like to manifest today. I learned that in a course I took 34 years ago. It's awesome, though, because my lists look a lot more like, you know, 10 things I'd like to stress out over today <laughs> or 10 things. Oh, no, darling. <laughs> or it's like 10, 10 things I have the, the aim to do, but somehow I never quite get through them because they're too big and I know they're too big, but it's like, you know, the chase to get them done. So I like what you said where it's like, what I'd like to manifest, what I'd like to, you know, bring forward. So it's not necessarily a to-do list. It's a, you know, a positive, it's a more positive thinking list. It's like what I want to put out in the world today, where my energy, you know, where I want to put my heart. I think that's so different than just having a list of, okay, I need to get X, Y, and Z done. And if not, I'm going to be stressed about it. Okay. Look, a lot of my people, when I give them this opportunity to think in terms of 10 results, so it may be, I want to smoke less cigarettes today. I want to eat less carbohydrates today. I want to do more push-ups than I did yesterday. Okay. In the beginning, people are not so comfortable with what they want, but what they don't want. I don't want to be smoking so much today. I don't want to be eating so much today. But you can't put energy on the I don't. You have to put energy toward the positive thing. There isn't don't in the universe. I love that. What a powerful takeaway for our listeners that it's less about, you know, I'm not going to do this. Don't do this. But more about, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is the. Yeah. Then you're in business. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me, to talk uh, with my listeners, to share your amazing perspective and, and humor and fun and uh, just sharing, you know, the, the complexity of being vulnerable and yet the simplicity of it, where it's let's focus more on the good. Let's put our energy towards the good rather than things that are going to self-sabotage and pull us away from who we really are. You got it. You're most welcome. Bless your soul. Thank you so much, Marissa, for the opportunity.